0: Thank you so much, worship team. I'd like to start today by telling you a story, okay? Now this is the story of a young widow. This young widow, the closest person that she had to call family was her mother-in-law. And for those of you who have a mother-in-law, um Hopefully that relationship is really, really good um, because for some people, they're like, ooh, (laughs) a mother-in-law, wow, okay. So that being said, this particular young widow decided that her and her mother-in-law were going to move back to the mother-in-law's hometown. Now, in this space, uh, the daughter-in-law, the person who I'm talking about, she said, you know, I need a job. And the mother-in-law's like, yeah, how are we going to eat? So the daughter-in-law decides she's going to go get this job, and she's working really, really, really hard, okay? And I can tell you from personal experience Um, if the government says I get one 15-minute break for every four hours of work, I'm gonna absolutely take that break, okay? That's just me, that's just my personal feelings about how that goes. This particular person, she decided she was only gonna take this one break, and everybody was like, why is she working so hard? And then the managers were like, why is she working so hard? And then the CEO comes out and he's like, she is really working hard, wow. And so he said, what's her deal? Like, why is she working so hard? And uh, they were like, well, she's a widow and she's got to feed her family. Uh, she's working and trying to protect and save and get some food for her mother-in-law. And they were like, wow, okay. So the CEO says, hey, you know what, let's make sure she gets a little extra food because that's important. And she said, okay. Now, for those of you who are like, oh, that's the story of Ruth and Boaz. Congratulations, you guessed it. Um, but for those of you who are like... Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Let me tell you the interesting thing. So typically, we see the story of Ruth and Boaz as one of a story of Ruth waiting on a man to save her from the tyranny of the 40-hour work week, and we're like, I'm just waiting on my Boaz. Anybody waiting on their Boaz? It's okay if you don't put your hand up. That's fine. You know in your heart that you're waiting for a Boaz. Okay. Um, Then there's a second type of story that we hear when it comes to the story of Ruth, and that is one of loyalty to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And so, in that, we hear in Ruth six one, um, sorry six, sorry Ruth one sixteen and seventeen, um, when she says, you know, where you go, I go; where you stay, I stay. Your people are going to be my people. Your God will be my God. And then sometimes people hear the story of Ruth and Boaz and they're like, that's the kinsman redeemer. That is a familial uh, tie who can go ahead and save us. And so then we also sometimes hear that story of God's sovereignty and God's providence, God's ordination of all of those things, um, orchestrating to go ahead and live um, to support that person. And we're like, it all works out on the good, um, for the good at the end. But what if I told you the story of Ruth and Boaz is actually a story about agriculture? Yeah. Thank you so much over here. Okay. Um, because one thing that you need to know is that the story of Ruth and Boaz actually is like, it starts in this field, right? So Ruth is outside. She's collecting barley. One thing you should know about barley is that barley is something called a cover crop. Now, I know you might be like, oh, no, is she talking about agriculture again? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So, that being said, um, if you knew what a cover crop was, which I will explain in a couple minutes, but if you knew the magnitude of a cover crop, you might actually be really excited because many of you are in your cover crop season, okay? So, that being said, I need need you to know that I know that you are under stress right now. You are a college student and you are under stress. Sometimes that stress is academic. So, of course, we are a couple days away from spring break and I know some of y'all are, okay, we got some people in the front that are very excited about spring break. And that's great. Um, I'm a professional student. That's one of the things I like to list it um, because I love going to school but also I realize that is not everyone's story and that's fine. Um, so s- you were under academic stress. It's it's just how it is. Many of you are athletes as well and so you were under physical stress. Anybody at 2 days right now? We doing 2 days No? Okay. That's wonderful. When I was here, um, I played softball for one semester. Um, and. <laughs> I don't know if I can even count it as playing, I got to be honest, um, I really just kind of stood in right field and waited for the ball to kind of fall near me. And then I would go and get it because I'm not going to catch it. Uh, that's not, I'm not good. Um, you don't want me on a team. I can I can be honest about that. Um, and so the ball would fall and then I would like pick it up and run it to whoever needed the ball because I wasn't going to throw it. it <laughs> I just got to be honest. um, Again, I was more of like a performer, less of an athlete, Okay, Um, And so then, many of you are also under emotional stress right now. And so um, just college in general, the last three years, (laughs) like (laughs) under some stress, right? So that being said, I recognize that you, as college students, are under stress academically, physically, and emotionally. um, But as a professional student, I'm going to share the three things that I did while I was in my cover crop era, and those things are Number one, do some soil management. The second thing I did was I decided on a crop to plant, and then I planted it. And the third thing I did was I needed to manage the other fields of my life. So a little bit about me. Of course, you know, I'm not an athlete. I didn't really go outside if I didn't have to. I got into that a little bit on Monday, because why would I go outside? Um, there's bugs. There's um, animals and it's hot. (laughs) I don't want to do that. So uh, I didn't really go outside and so I wasn't really worried about cover crops and so the fact that I ended up in agriculture at all is astonishing to me. Um, I'm more of a social scientist, and so, you know, I was here, did liberal studies, liberal arts. um, I focused on psychology and theology. My first master's degree is in counseling psychology and mediation. My second master's is in public administration and city management and urban management. Okay, so I'm a social scientist. And so the fact that I am in this PhD program for agriculture, again, I, I don't know. But again, the Lord's providence. So that being said, so (laughs) while I didn't know anything about agriculture, I I started getting involved and started going to class with my students. um, And I learned about cover crops in this one class. And I said, people need to know about these cover crops, okay? And the reason, number one, cover crops are actually really, really interesting because they protect the soil. They grow big and wide and they protect the soil. The second thing we need to understand about cover crops is that cover crops mitigate soil erosion. So essentially they prevent soil erosion. So we think about like a hill, and on that hill there's no grass and there's no trees. It's just a barren hill with some dirt on it. And then we see, and also don't ever call, soil dirt in front of someone who's getting a PhD in agronomy, which is a study of soil because that is a seven-minute conversation. Um, and so if you don't want to spare that time, if you want to say, oh, I'm so sorry, don't just make sure you call it soil. Here in this space, I may use them interchangeably, but there is a difference, okay? so. We see a hill and there's all this soil on the ground, like on the the street, and we're like, wow, look at all that soil in the street. Wow. So here's the problem. When the soil is not on the hill, that means that its purpose is not being served. That means that it has now relocated outside of the intended purpose, and it is not going to be able to do the things that it is supposed to do. Because if we think about it, soil is supposed to be fertile so that things can grow in that space. So if we see soil on the ground in the street, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So cover crops help with um, the mitigation of soil erosion. Now here's another thing to know about soil erosion is that it actually, um, it's a very natural thing that happens. Um, so whether we're talking about animals, um, wind, uh, Kansas, <laughs> the wind this morning was very disrespectful. Um, it almost blew me over and I forgot, <laughs> I forgot uh, that uh, the wind uh, is not a respecter of persons here. Okay? so. That being said, so of course, so animals, wind, um, rain, all of these things cause soil erosion. So the interesting thing about that is that, again, with a cover crop, it will mitigate the possibility of soil erosion. Cover crops also help increase soil fertility. So if we plant a particular type of crop every time in the same space, it is eventually going to start losing nutrients. And if it loses nutrients, that means we need to add those nutrients back. Sometimes we use fertilizer, But fertilizer is typically artificial. And so if we were adding in the nutrients in a natural way, then we wouldn't need to use something artificial there. Same thing about our spiritual life. If we are giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and and we're not getting anything back in that space, there's not going to be anything there. And so then we have to add in an artificial thing. So maybe we're like, oh, I'll just go ahead and listen to um, Maverick City for like 10 minutes and this is going to fill me up and it's going to be totally fine. But in all actuality, what should we be doing in that space to add that nutrient back? Okay. All right, and so, of course, cover crops help with uh, soil fertility, aid in water management, but then also, the thing that's the most important about where you are right now, sitting in these seats that apparently are the exact same seats from when I was here, um, is that cover crops are planted in the off-season. So as many of you are athletes, you understand that off-season, you're like, yeah, I mean, I'm still in the gym, I'm still, you know, working out, but also you're not doing it as hard because you are just in this maintenance season, right? So. Here's the thing. We have to understand um, that we are three parts in one, right? We are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. We are our physical bodies, our hearts, and our minds. And because of that, Romans is very, very clear when it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy. I'm sorry. To present your bodies as living sacrifices, um, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So meaning that our bodies were created in the image of God. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. We were birthed out of a thought and a spoken word by the almighty God. And he said, let's make man. And let's make them in our image, and they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but also, that means that if we are made, um, and we say from dust we w- like we came, and from dust we will return. So our physical bodies essentially are dirt or soil, right? It's it's naturally composting. Um, that being said, we also have soil in our heart, okay, th- just figuratively, okay. We have soil in our heart, and then of course the soil of our head. So, that being said, our bodies should be living sacrifices. Our minds will be transformed if we do not conform to this world, and our hearts should be in communication uh, with the Trinity since we have invited Christ into our lives. Therefore, we need to protect the soil that we have, right? So, when I was telling you the three things that I did, this is the three things I did, okay? The first thing first is that I needed to understand soil management, and what does it mean to assess your soil health? Typically in agriculture, we might go ahead and do something called soil testing. This is like soil management. So we'll go we'll take a sample. We'll look at it and say, wow, it's missing this one particular thing, it's missing nitrogen. They have whole conferences on nitrogen, which is that same element that you see on the periodic table of elements. Um, There's whole conferences on nitrogen, which I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know it was that important, because again, if we knew the importance of the season, that crop season that we're in, we would understand that those nutrients, we can get them, but sometimes they come in an artificial form. So understanding soil management, sometimes we have to have outside people assess the situation or outside entities. So sometimes that looks like God, and you're in relationship with God, and God's like, "Oof, you know that one thing that we've been working on? I see that that's still there. Sometimes that comes in the form of uh, accountability. Uh, My accountability partner, actually my mentor, she lives in uh, Manhattan, and so she and I met in Salina yesterday, and uh, that was a hard conversation because that requires honesty. That requires a clear assessment of the soil of my heart, okay? So sometimes we have to do that. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we say, I'm just going to ask the group chat what they think. <laughs> I know my group <laughs> chat. Um, that's not where I'm going to go to go ahead and get like that, that uh, the, uh, the accurate assessment of the soil of my heart. Okay. So sometimes that looks like a pastor or an RA, um, so Pastors Act. that. Sometimes that's what that looks like is that you might need someone else to come in and accurately assess what's going on there. The second thing is that we need to know that weeds only appear if there is something wrong with your soil. I don't know if you knew that. So sometimes, like, dandelions, of course, you know, the yellow ones, and, like, I used to hold them under my chin because, you know, I was sweet. And so that's because it would reflect yellow, and that's how you knew, right? Um, maybe that's just me, and that's totally fine. But the thing about that is that weeds only appear if there is a problem. So thinking about this, um, so say you have really, really hard soil. This soil is compacted. But then you see a couple of dandelions there, and you're like, oh, well that's weird, a dandelion and no grass? Okay. Um, but the dandelions are some of the strongest rooted plants that there are and the reason why dandelions appear is because soil is so hard it has to be broken up because you can't plant anything and expect to reap a harvest if your soil is not fertile and so with soil compaction we have weeds that let us know that there's something wrong so the next time you see a dandelion you're gonna be like oh That's what that girl was talking about in chapel that day, because that's what happens, is that there is uh, this hardness that happens, and so sometimes that hardness happens on this ground outside, but sometimes that hardness happens in your heart. Maybe that soil is hard there because you've been hurt. Maybe that hardness happens because you haven't had a fresh rainfall, and because of that, (laughs) now dandelions are appearing in your accountability and your mentor, your accountability partner and your mentor are like, why is that hard right there? So sometimes, sometimes um, weeds appear. um, But when they do appear, it lets you know that something is wrong. So say you need nitrogen, another like nutrient added again, another type of weed will appear, and so this is an ongoing conversation because sometimes weeds appear in the lo- parts of our hearts that we think are fine, and then we're like, "Oh, oh wait, what's that weed doing there And sometimes that weed looks like um, that accountability like meeting or maybe that weed looks like the pricking of like your spirit during a song and trying to figure out why that feels um, so f- so so that brings up an emotion so. Understanding that weeds appear when there is a problem. The third thing y- when you're doing soil management is to know that we need to assess the crop from last season. So one way to see how your soil is doing is to go ahead and say, well, we got you know, like 15 bushels o- from here last time, and now we only have 10. So we're having a decrease. So we need to assess what we are outputting. And so sometimes that output, instead of it being you know carrots, sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it is anger. When I was sitting in your seats, it was comparison. I compared myself to everyone and everything. Like, why wasn't this happening? um, Why did this person not like me? Why, you know, did I get passed over for this? Why did I lose that? And I'm comparing me and my situation to everyone around me, not knowing what they're going through, but I'm stuck in this place of comparison. And comparison has a tendency to lead to bitterness. So... We need to understand when it comes to soil management. We need to understand that. We need to assess our last crop, the last yield. What did we get? So the thing about cover crops is that we can plant a whole different, many types of cover crops and they will add different things. So for instance, we can have barley like Boaz was planting. Barley adds great nitrogen to the soil and so that's really good. Other times we can add radishes. Radishes are great cover crops um, or horseradish. Those are incredible. Those do some really great things for soil. Um, But to combat the soil of hate, the crop of hate, maybe you need to plant love because that's when you'll reap love. Maybe you need to combat anger, and so you plant joy because that's when you'll harvest joy. For me, when I was going through comparison, (laughs) I needed to plant patience so that I could harvest patience. And so maybe you need to plant peace or kindness, or goodness, or faithfulness, or gentleness, or self-control, then you will reap kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Because fruit of the Spirit can only grow in fertile soil. Sometimes you can harvest cover crops and you can sell them. We call those cash crops, um, you know, and so you're not expecting a huge return on investment or ROI. Dr. Farrell, I, I used a business term, so there's that. Um, but um, we, you can harvest, you can harvest cover crops or you can just give them away. You can sell them at the market, doesn't matter. Um, but the thing is, is that everything costs. Everything costs. Um, and so you have to understand that sometimes we write checks for things that the soil of our hearts cannot cash. So sometimes physically, we cash checks, we write them, and we expect our heart to be able to cover the cost of that. And what a horrible situation to put your heart in. So as a reminder, The purpose of a cover crop is to protect your health. And one way that we can do that is through Ephesians 6, 13, and 17. That says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after doing everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which... You can extinguish all of the flaming arrows from the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of tr- the sword of the Spirit. This is the word of God, and we can protect our soil health through putting on the full armor of God. You must protect your soil health. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. They're going to play that last song, um, but in the meantime, I'm going to tell you the third thing that I did when I was managing the field of my life. (laughs) And that was rotating crops. Uh, you've heard of crop rotation. Um, But that helps the soil maintain nutrients much longer, meaning that sometimes we overdevelop one part of our lives and neglect a completely other different part of our life. So maybe we are overdeveloping our physical bodies and we are neglecting our spiritual bodies. We're overdeveloping our physical soil and we are neglecting our spiritual soil. When we are managing the fields of our lives, we have to also understand that that is us fulfilling the Great Commission. That means that we are going into the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when we are managing the fields of our lives, that means that we are fulfilling the Great Commission, the call of God on our lives. And then finally, I know that I've mentioned this verse several times and I think that it's because it's the verse that just speaks to me in every situation and that is micah 6 it says what does god require of you O man to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with god that means that we are caring for the widows that means that we are caring for the orphans we are caring for the poor and through boaz <laughs> he was caring for the widow and he was caring for the poor through allowing people to harvest from his field here's the thing, he wasn't worried about finding a spouse, but he was worried about caring for the poor. I think that there are times that we distract ourselves with things that um, are not where we need to be focusing. Boaz was focusing on caring for the people who were destitute. And there are times that we are concerned about whatever is happening specifically to us. And if we had our eyes fixed on Jesus, what would that look like in our lives? What does your soil health look like? God tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto us. But there are times that we are focused on the wrong thing. And so you are in your cover carp era. What are you focusing on right now? Are you focusing on yielding a harvest? Are you focusing on your crop of bitterness? What are you focusing on right now? Plant the thing that you want to harvest. If you want to harvest joy, plant joy you want to harvest peace, plant peace, there's no time like the present. If you have not had a relationship with God, there's no time like the present. To know Jesus is sweet. To answer your question, to me, Jesus is a cover crop. Jesus is protection. Jesus is wholeness and healing and peace in the midst of a situation that feels out of control for me. So, I'm going to have them play, and I'm going to have them just do, I don't know, the, there's that one part that I really, really like, it's the good one, um, it's, uh, it's the bridge, and if we could just kind of spend some time there, and really assess your soil health, what does your soil look like? There's no time like the present, and in case you ha- don't have a relationship with God, I know there are people here that are willing to pray with you, um, in the instance you would like to pray, I know the altar is open whether here or in your seat. um, Take the time. Um, There's no time like the present. We come to you, Father, as humbly as we know how. We know that you won't fail us, you won't forsake us. And so we are thankful for your presence, for your peace right now, for those who have made decisions to come back to you, to protect the soil of their heart, to protect the soil of their head. I just pray that you would infiltrate their lives, be the rain, the fresh rain that they need to soften hard soil. I pray that you, your spirit, would provide peace in situations that need peace, that you would help them plant joy in situations that need more joy in situations that require self-control i pray that you would be with them lord i know that you are good you are kind you are just you are fair i've known you to be all of those things to me and so i can i can speak truth in those situations i pray that you would help them find people who can speak truth in those situations, Lord, be with them. Be with these incredible students, Lord. Protect them over spring break, God. I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to share my heart. Thank you for the opportunity, for the guidance, for the leadership of this community. I ask you to continually bless that your spirit would reign over this place. Lord, I ask you to be with every student. Guide them on their journey with you. Hold them close, these things in the incredible, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.